0: I'll be reading um, some selections from chapter 42 in Genesis this morning. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? And he continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land the one who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. When you must bring your, you, but you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. And this they proceeded to do. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, but you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them. And began to weep, but then turned back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes.
1: Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Hey, I need to uh, give a shout out to my mom, who is uh, required by motherly law to listen to every one of my sermons uh, on the Internet.. <laughs> So mom, love you, happy Mother's Day, I know you'll listen to this soon. We're in Genesis 42, I want to share a little story about when I was growing up, I was about 12, 13 years old, I, I came home from school one day and, and there was my dad, he usually wasn't home from school, He's like, Rod, looks like we have something to talk about, and I was a little bit dumbfounded. He said, I got a call from your teacher today. Do you want to tell me what happened? And I was thinking, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I was kind of racking my brain a little bit. And he goes, do you want to share what took place? Because there needs to be some consequence. And all of a sudden, my guilty conscience started to pour out. My buddy Charlie, a week ago... I grabbed a test from one of the rooms, and so we had all the answers to a test. And so we used it to take this test. And so I started to cry, and I started to pour out and say, Dad, it was Charlie's idea. (laughs) And I laid out the whole scenario as my guilty conscience poured out. My dad got a smirk on his face, and I didn't quite know why. He goes, actually, son, I didn't get a call from your teacher. I just threw out that scenario just to see if anything would happen. (laughs) It's so not fair and not right. You can use that at home. I'll let you. But it was my guilty conscience that poured out and confessed my sin. And we're going to see that this morning in Genesis 42, how God is working on the brothers of Joseph. And he's working on their hearts and their minds. And he is speaking to their conscience through the Spirit. It is God who is ministering to them. And God is going to use hunger and he is going to use need God is going to use lack and want to break through the hard soil of the heart of these brothers. And so he does, often in our lives, doesn't he? The Lord has ways to draw back his wayward children. Maybe you're in that place right now. Maybe you are a wayward child. Or maybe you have children that have gone wayward. And you're begging God for their lives. Well, God is doing his work. And he will always do his work. That's the good news of our Lord. He always pursues us. He always is drawing us home. He is, on this Mother's Day, like a mother who longs to gather her hands back under her wing. That's the character of our God. And what God's going to do in Genesis 42 is he's going to awaken the nearly dead conscience of Joseph's brothers. And so the story begins. Jacob has heard that there is food in Egypt. And they are starving. They're running out of food. And so he says, why is it that you're looking at one another? Go to Egypt and get some food. You can only imagine the scene as Simeon and as Judah and as the brothers glance back and forth at one another as they hear the word Egypt. It's a looking at, like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? It's a looking at one another saying, we remember Egypt. We sold our brother into slavery to travelers on their route to Egypt. And they're glancing back at one another. You ever do that as siblings, when sometimes you're caught and you look back at each other, and how are we going to work this one out? That's exactly what's going on. Why are you looking at one another? 22 years their guilty conscience had been nagging on their soul. Donald Barnhouse says this, the word Egypt in their ears... Must have sounded like the word rope in the house of a man who had hanged himself. God's method for the wayward sons was to be famine. And he does that in our lives sometimes. And he uses this scene material want. They couldn't be content anymore in Canaan, they couldn't provide for themselves anymore. They would have to go to Egypt, or truly they would perish. And in God's picture of the big picture, they would have to go to Egypt, or truly they would spiritually perish. This is God's love work in our lives, a work of discipline, a work of sharpening, a work of consequence, a work of famine. So he grabs a hold of us. It truly was, for these brothers, a necessary famine. You know, I was thinking about God's pursuit of us and him as the father. Do you think, God, when we run away from home, do you think God just, just stands up there and says, Oh, well, my child ran away from home. Do you do that as a parent? Did you ever run away from home? I tried several times. I got about 100 yards away and then got scared. But trust me, my parents were looking. Loving Heavenly Father, do you think he's any different? And how much more is his love for us? Joseph's brothers had run away from home spiritually. They knew God. Jacob had brought that to the table in his life but they had run away from home spiritually. Do you think think when, when we refuse God's loving touch, he's saying, well, to heck with you, just go ahead and sin and destroy your life. Is that God's response to us when we refuse his loving touch? I don't think so. The Lord pursues after us. He's not tired of you. He's not going to send you back like that American family sending back the little Russian boy. You bother us. You're too difficult for us. We're sending you back. That's so contrary to the character of God. And so he keeps going after his wayward children and like a mother hen longs to gather them back in. He loves us. He pursues after us. And oftentimes, one of the ways that the Lord tries to gather us back in is through famine and through need. You know what I know, moms, that this has got to be one of the most difficult things for you to even consider. To allow your child to have need. From out of the womb, you took care of them. You brought them to your bosom and you fed them. From the very beginning, you have provided. Like my mom, I'd get up and go to school. She would have lunch made. I remember the the trips going to the store to get clothes for school. She always was taking care of our needs. We were not lacking. She knew our wants and our desires, and she would step in, and with joy, and with love. And so for a mother especially... When a wayward child is in a place of need, we automatically, I think, as mothers, step right in and want to fill that need. When God is maybe doing another work in the famine. And one of the things I think you have to do is you have to really be before the Spirit of God and say, Lord, how do you want me to to respond to this? My child is wayward they wanted nothing to do with you. They wanted nothing to do with us. I can't stand this incredible need, and, and I have to step in and, and fix it and take care of it. And maybe before the Lord, you say, Lord, help. I can't do that on my own strength. Everything about my being is wanting to fix and meet the need that is at hand. Sometimes the famine is necessary. Let God do his work in your child's life. Because this is the work of God. Oftentimes. You know, we struggle with that about who our Lord is. But we see it in Hosea. God says to Hosea, listen, I'm going to get you a wife, Gomer, and she's going to be unfaithful to you. She's going to reflect Israel and our relationship with one another. So God brings his wife into Hosea, and sure enough, she's unfaithful. Listen to what God says as he brings famine into Gomer's life, and he is the one who brings it. God does that. says this, She has not acknowledged that I was the one. God speaking, who gave her, Gomer, the grain. I gave her new wine. I gave her oil. I lavished on her silver and gold. But they ended up using it to worship Baal. And therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens, my new wine when it is ready. And I will take back my wool and my linen, intended to cover her nakedness. And so now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. But no one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all of her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, her appointed feasts. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were to pay for her lovers. I will make them a thicket. God allows the famine. To draw the hearts of the people back to himself. To the wayward child. Why? I think so that we would be like the prodigal son. Who was sitting in the pig soup. And he longed for the pea pods. To fill his belly. And then the scriptures say. He came to his senses. And he remembered he had a father. And he said, I will go home to the father. And I will tell him all that I have done. And I will confess before my father that I have sinned against him. And he does. And the response to the wayward son is exactly who our heavenly father is. And he runs down the road and he embraces his son who was in famine in the land and brings him back into the fold. God's work in our lives, God's pursuit of us, and God's pursuit of your children who are wayward, he will not relent in pursuing, he will not relent in his love for you, for your children because he is the great lover of our souls who continues to pour out grace when we don't deserve it. That's who our God is. If you're wayward this morning, would you just know that God is calling you back home? Come into the fold, dear child. Return to me. And I pray for you moms again that you would allow the Spirit of God to speak to you to open your eyes for all of us to the purpose of famine and that God would draw us back. But God continues to do more in this story. There's famine in the land and they go to Egypt. Now what God is going to use because famine has not stirred them enough, He's going to use strong words in their lives, harsh treatment in their lives to stir up these men That they might be called back to God. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. James Boyce says, words do hurt and words work. Which is one of the reasons why God uses true words to unsettle us and awaken our consciences. Moms, you can be loving and yet strong. You can minister to your children in a way that offers love but gives strength by bringing the truth from the Word of God into your children's lives. You don't always have to be gentle. I know that's part of you. I love that God has created women with a real gentleness. But He's also given you the power of God through the spirit to speak truth into your children's lives. Sometimes when we're too soft, when moms are too soft, it doesn't have effect that your child needs. Let me give you an example. I would get in trouble a lot as a child. And so my mother sometimes when my father was out of town because we in our household when I grew up spanking was kind of a normal deal. Boys out of control A spank was needed. And so my dad uh, was very uh, serious about spanking and the belt was the deal. My mom couldn't do the belt. It would break her heart too much. And so I remember one time specifically that I had lied to her and she was fed up. My dad was on a conference for a week. So she grabbed me. I'm about, again, 10 years old at this time. She puts me over her knee and she takes off her, her Kmart uh, flip-flop sandal, <laughs> rubber sandal, and she starts to whack my bottom. Oh, mon fils! Oh, qu'est-ce que tu fais? You, you never, jamais, 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 you ecoute ne moi pas. If I didn't say that right, you don't listen to me. And, and you can always tell my mom's really upset because she starts to go off in French. And so she's upset. And she is spanking me as hard as she can. And every time that flip-flop hits my bottom, it's bending up. There's no impact. There's impact. She's trying to be strong, but it's not working. And so finally, I'm just like, Mom, enough already. I mean, and she stormed off and kept going off in French. Speak words. You can be strong to your children. And you need to speak the words of God into your children's lives. God has blessed you through his spirit. Truth. He has given you truth. Don't hold back truth. Don't be afraid to offend your child. You're going to. You're going to offend us. You're going to make us mad. We, we only take offense because you're actually dealing with our sin. So speak truth into our lives. Let the Spirit of God penetrate our souls as you let us know how our sin has done damage. And that we may be children who listen to your word like the Proverbs say. And this is a calling for all you children in here. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head. And a chain to adorn your neck. Joseph saw his brothers and he stepped right into their lives with truth and with harsh treatment and with harsh words, verse 7 says. He knew his audience, didn't he? You got to understand, these are strong men, and that's one of the deals. You got to know who you're dealing with. With each child, with each individual, these are strong men confrontation never easy it never feels good but joseph stepped in and he dealt with these hard men can imagine how difficult that must have been for joseph seeing his brothers not sharing who he was i'm sure that god had him hold back his true identity because god was doing a work on these guys It's necessary for the people of God to engage in confrontation with a wayward saint because we love them. It's necessary for us. We can't just let someone we love continue to destroy their lives and do nothing about it and speak no words into their life. Joseph deals with strong men. These men brutally wiped out the clan of Shechem just after they had them all be circumcised. They're in pain. It's, it's these brothers who went in and bloodily just would, just massacred them. Blood everywhere. This is the type of men that Joseph is dealing with. But Joseph is shrewd and he is listening to God, restrained by God, I think, until the proper time to... Reveal himself. Refining words and refining work needs to be done with these brothers. Just like it does with you and me sometimes. And sometimes just a gentle approach doesn't work with us. Sometimes God is going to use different methods to get our attention. F.B. Meyer suggests this, and I think it's rather fascinating, and as I studied it seemed to make sense to me. But he suggests that this scene that we're seeing where the brothers come down and bow down and and, and plead for their lives and plead for food is a reenactment of what took place with Joseph at the mouth of the pit when he was being thrown into the pit and sold off by his brothers. The brothers accused Joseph of coming out and spying on them so that Joseph could bring back report to the Father. And the first thing that Joseph says to his brothers is, Oh, you're spies trying to see what's going on here. The same words were probably spoken to Joseph. The brothers pleaded with Joseph. No, it is not true. We wouldn't do such a thing. And you can imagine Joseph being shackled, being sold off, pleading with his brothers. It's not true. It's not why I came out here and they took him off. They were harsh with Joseph. And Joseph spoke harshly with his brothers. Joseph was cast into the pit And so his brothers also were cast into prison. In Shakespeare's famous play, Hamlet, many of you have seen it, Hamlet devises a way to stir the conscience of Claudius, who killed Hamlet's brother, if you remember, in order to gain the crown. And so he prepares a play called Mousetrap that Claudius will come and see And he prepares the play, and Claudius watches, and he sees his crime played out before him. And he cries out, give me some light, oh my offense is rank, it smells to heaven, it hath the primal eldest curse upon it, a brother's murder scene three, scene three. It woke him up to all that he had done. And Joseph, Joseph's actions, I believe, his strong words, his harsh treatment, possibly reenacting the scene at the pit, it brought Joseph's brothers to a place of confession. It stirred in their hearts. As they were before Joseph, they said, we have all these brothers, but one is no more. They never talked about Joseph. They did their sin, and then we have no mention of them ever discussing it again. And as the scene is played before Joseph, they start to, to... to share that they have a brother. And then they start to talk about themselves. It brought them to a place of of looking at their own lives. They first say, we are honest men. And you can imagine Joseph going, really? You're so far away from God that you think you're honest men? It's dealing with their soul. Harsh, strong words that break down this thinking that we are honest men. We make many claims that we are Christian, and yet our lives have no reflection of Christ whatsoever. God will draw us to a place. Who are you really? Are you really a follower of me? Are you really one who pursues me, who worships me alone? Is that who you are? Strong words are going to make them face who they are. Sometimes intervention is needed. Sometimes stepping into the lives of those we love is needed. We need to understand who each individual is, but speak truth. Replay the story. This is what your life has done to us. Here's what the damage it has caused to us. And because we love you, we're here with you to say, we want you to be brought back. And let God do his work. Let God do his work. Moms especially, let God do his work. Let's not rescue, let's not save all the time. Let God do this refining work. And he uses these words... And then he allows them to go into solitude, verse 17. He puts them into prison. And you go, well, that's not very loving at all, is it? But the effect of three days in prison starts to stir these men up. And they start to talk about their brother. And it's in solitude, it's in separation, that we often are brought to a place where we think about, where we stir where the Spirit gets a hold of us, where that still small voice speaks to us. And they were thrown into the dungeon and it stirred them up. They were in prison and dealing with all that they had done. It was traumatic for these brothers. And it brought them to a place as they were in prison and then as they were given their consequence that Simeon would stay and and they would go. In this place of solitude in prison that they started to deal with who God was. And verse 21 says, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. Solitude stirs the memories. Just like when our parents would send us to our rooms and say, You think about what you have done. And we would actually. You're all alone in your room and your siblings are out playing. You need to go to your room and think about what you have done. Solitude does that to us. And sometimes God allows us to be in a place that we are separated out from everything. Separated out from our families. Separated out from all that we, we love and depend on. So that we are forced to face who God is. Joseph loves them. He sends them out, and they start to remember, the, bro- the brothers do, how Joseph pleaded for mercy. They talk about it for the first time, about all that took place. Solitude started to break their hearts, and the journey home and dealing with what they dealt with in prison starts to break their hearts. Their memories, as they recall the face of, Of their brother and their sin. And they're brought to a place where they recognize now we must have an accounting for our sin. We must have an accounting for his blood. And here's where God steps in it's only God who can deal with sin, and it's only his blood shed on the cross that can deal with sin. And the brothers are starting to recognize this. God can only deal with our sin. He is the only one. We come to a place where we recognize our need for a Savior. But we also have to recognize God's grace in the middle of the solitude and in the prison. Isaiah says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. And though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And so now the long journey home, 250 miles, just out of Cairo, Egypt, from that area. And they come to this place, and they say this. What is this that God has done to us? I don't want you to miss this point, because this has been God's work the whole time. What is this that God has done to us? When you first read that, you go, Oh, they're just going, God is attacking us. Why is God attacking us? That's not really what it's saying. They get to this point, and this is what it says. God has done this to us. God is involved in all of this. These boys who maybe just prayed during dinner time had no relationship with God and they come for the very first time that we see in scriptures. It is God who is involved in all of this. Wayward children, God is calling you home. The true God will not let you go. He will not relent in his pursuit of you. Because he loves you. And he will continue to pour out grace upon you like Joseph poured out and giving them grain and filling up their money sacks again. The brothers couldn't even handle that grace. God is in this. God is in this. A place of turning. A place of repentance. A place of acknowledgement. Through famine. And through strong words of truth. And through solitude. And so, mothers, on this Mother's Day, we rejoice for our children who are following the Lord and living in righteousness. But we can also rejoice and give praise to God because He is pursuing your wayward child, He will not let go and you think you have an incredible love for your children, hate to tell you, God's love is so much more. And He will continue until His children are brought home. Let's pray. Father, I just thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You how You come after us and You discipline us in love, Father. May we recognize that it's Your heart longing and waiting on that road for us to to return home. And Father, thank you for thank you for disciplining us. Thank you for drawing us back into yourself. Because we would truly die without you, Lord Jesus. And so I pray this morning that you would minister, especially to our moms. Would you allow them to receive your spirit to know how to love their children who are wayward. And for us in this room that If we are walking away or have been, Father, would you draw us back? We pray in your precious name. Amen.